Hello, David. On this beautiful Monday here in Cincinnati, Ohio, following uh, a, what could have been a remarkable weekend for us, we were that close. That David. close, my friend. That, that close. close to having a, a joyous. I, I'm still, I'm still excited about the rest of the season. Yes. But we're that close to having a joyous podcast today. It's good to see you. Yeah, good to see you, man. And and we we're talking about that close. Yeah, we're talking about Stanford and Arizona State last week. 15-14, uh, uh, had an opportunity to win that football game up 14-6, but yet couldn't uh, find the way to get it done. And now we're on to the Colorado Buffaloes, the Buffaloes. Um, you know, David, we were up 14-6, to six, but you and I were talking about this. Yeah. It felt, it felt bigger than that because we had gone into their home. We had established not only that we were competitive, but we showed a little offensive dominance there for a little while. Uh, holding them to six points and then to see it's just I, I've always wondered I've always wanted to ask a, an all-american and a, a hall of famer like yourself from the college level who also had great success in the pros what happens at halftime what happens where we were 14 to 6 ahead being dominant and we get outscored three field goals to none in the second half and lose by a point well you know you go back to what uh, you were successful in, in the first half and, and most teams make adjustments and, uh, you know, Stanford obviously made adjustment defensively, but you know, when you're trying to come out the second half, you want us to look at it and see what worked. And then what do we do differently that didn't work? Um, you know, Stanford comes out second half and they know on third down and three, they're going to run this third down and long, they're going to run that. So you make those adjustments and, I feel like we did not make enough adjustments to continue to move the ball down the field like we did in the first half. So you have to look at the, the plays that are being called. Um, you, you know, the offensive coordinators, just like defensive coordinators, they have a, a script that they follow. And first down and 10, first down and seven, you know, first down and five for penalties, second down and long, second down and short, third long, third and short. So you start looking at those plays in the first half and how successful were you on those plays? Well, you know what? You're going to probably do those same things in the second half. Right. Might be a little minor adjustment that you don't throw uh, a 12-yard pass on, on second down and 12. You might want to throw a six-yard six pass in second down and 12 so you can shorten the field, shorten the distance. Right. So what did Arizona State do? Um, it just didn't look like they did enough to get – to stay in the game or to control the game. And Stanford did what they normally do. Stanford is going to try to be in that third and short situation. And as Willie said, Coach Shaw, uh, that's what his son does. And that's what Stanford did. And Stanford beat him uh, throughout that game. You know, it's funny. You and I had a, you and I were had lucky enough to have a talk with Coach Shaw over the weekend, just the three of us having a nice chat. And what he made me realize and what that conversation made me realize, even though they were down 14 to six at the half, Stanford came out in the second half and almost went into an offense and a game plan where they were ahead and trying to run out the clock. They took every ounce of time to run a play. They were in no hurry to get off the next play. They were running plays that ate up time. And it was almost as if their mindset was, if we can keep methodically chipping away at this time, we're only down a couple of scores. We're only down three field goals. If we keep them off the field, we get our three field goals. We win this game, and darn if they didn't do it. 
You know, and when you look at it, David, it makes sense. You know, I never really looked at it like that because I'm a defensive-minded person. I'm trying to stop you, get you off the field in three downs so you can punt and get back for offense. But as Coach Shaw, Willie Shaw, was telling us how Stanford runs their offense, and I'm hoping I'm not giving anybody any insight of what Stanford does, but, you know, first down and 10. You know, Stanford wants to get, you know, four to five yards on first down. If Stanford doesn't get five yards on first down, what Stanford is looking for is how do I get to third down and short, third and two. Third and two is manageable. Third and eight makes it a little bit longer, but right. third, and two, third and two is manageable. So if Stanford doesn't get to uh, move the ball to chain on first down, and now it's second and 10, Stanford's thought process is I got to get third and two. How do I get there? Is it a running play or is it a passing play? that will give me five to six yards. Stanford's idea is five, six yards of play, maybe a 12 to 15 play drive, maybe seven and a half minutes to nine minutes in time. Guess what? Your offense is off the field. And, and, and never, never thought about that. And when, when you can play and manage a game like that, you have a chance to win. And Stanford's defense didn't give up nothing the second half. Right. Arizona State's offense didn't move the ball the second half, you know, three and out, maybe a, a first down, but, you know, next play, three and out, they got off the field. Stanford never panicked because Stanford's game right. was short and simple. We can keep it short and simple. We got a chance to win. And five field goals won that game. It's funny, David, how three and outs breed three and outs. You, you've, you've said that to me multiple times. You'll say, you know, you get, you get in a rhythm offensively. And when that rhythm is clicking, Look out. Oh, yeah. Nobody's stopping you. But you can also get into an unhealthy rhythm and an unsuccessful rhythm where it's three and out, three and out, three and out. And you've said multiple times on multiple podcasts how demoralizing that can be to a starting defense and who when, doesn't get enough rest on the sideline before they go back out. And when Arizona State's offense uh, kind of got into a lull of not doing anything, Stanford never changed their game plan. You know, Arizona State scored the touchdown and now at 21-6, Stanford has to come out of their comfort zone and now throw the ball down the field, trying to make big plays because they're now down a whole lot of points. But when the game just kind of moseyed along, I call it the Cadillac mode, sitting in that Cadillac, cruising down the highway, and that's all Stanford did. And it's it, it, it looked bad for us in the Sun Devils because we couldn't capitalize, we couldn't get a break, and that's how Stanford won that game. I honestly thought we had more talent. And I, I don't think Willie came out and said we had more talent, but he said we were equally as talented. And, you know, you'll hear people saying we've both heard this over the last couple of days. Oh, Carter Brown missing that field goal. That puts us over the top. Or if Elijah Badger's toe was just in bounds on one of the best catches you'll ever see in your life, that young yes. man made. And that's not – we both went back and looked at that tape. I believe that that kick was tipped. I believe the field goal was tipped by a couple of fingers, changed the rotation of the ball. The ball dove right below the crossbar. I think that kick goes in. That's not what did it. And David, I know that you're a big stats guy and we always cover a couple of stats. And I looked at a couple. This is the one I want to share with you that I think you're going to go, see? Yeah. On third down efficiency, Arizona State was four out of 13. We converted four out of 13 third downs. Stanford converted nine out of 19. That's nine times RD did not get off the field. And remember, I, I've said it many times and I'm probably going to say it as long as we're talking football. You've got to get off the field. Defenses have to get off the field. When you give them, obviously, 19 opportunities, Dave, 
That tells me that Stanford is holding on to the football. 19 opportunities to get that third down uh, to be successful, and they did it nine times. That means that they are dominating the football game and they're keeping your offense off the field. And, you know, NFL, when I played with the Cincinnati Bengals, you know, our 88 uh, year went to the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 23. We had the best offense in the NFL. We had a quarterback who was uh, MVP in Boomer Sison. We had the Icky Shuffle. We had running backs who James Brooks and Icky Woods are both averaging over 100 yards uh, when they run the football. They were so powerful that all we had to do on defense was get three and out. You know, we, we were a bending defense, but we didn't break. Well, because we knew an offense that was going to score points. And then another thing that I talked about was we had defensive goals. We wanted to make sure that we gave 16 points or less in a game because we knew our offense was going to score 21 points. And when we lost those games, the games that we lost, we either gave up too many points or our offense didn't score enough points and we wound up losing close games. Right. Football is, it's funny, man. You, you, one of the things I heard, I heard when we were talking to Willie about teams are not won. Games aren't won by players. They're won by team. Football, amazing. Teams, football right. teams are won by the 11 guys doing the same thing on the same page. And he went on to say, you can have, you can have a great point guard yes. and, a great, and a great forward or a great center, and they'll take you all the way through an NBA season. Or you can have a pitcher and a major hitter on a baseball team that can carry you quite a way. But he said in a football game, you better have 11 guys on both sides of the ball and your special teams players that can make you a great team. And, I, and I've always said that made that. a lot of sense. And I've, I've always felt that I've always thought about that because, you know, you could have, like I say, 11 guys on defense and let's say that that star defensive player is making all the tackles, but he's making all the tackles, but the score is, you know, you, you've given up 30-something points on defense. Well, if that one guy is making all the plays, guess what? You're down by 30 points. So if all the 11 guys are making plays, and once again, you might have that guy who makes 9, 10 tackles, but you've got eight other players who are making three or four tackles in that game, most success is going to happen to that defense because they've got a contribution from everybody, not just one guy. They did. And, David, you know, you make a good point. Those were, you know, those nine third downs that keeps the ball out of our offense's hands. But look at these stats. It wasn't that far off. So we, when we were on the field, we made some yards. Stanford's overall total yards were 398. Ours were 355. They had us by 40 some. All right. Not, not horrible there. Passing, they had 320. We had 227. They only had 78 yards on the ground. So we were doing something right. They had to put the ball up enough. And and what what a what a defense wants to do, you I believe we did. Ben don't break, Ben don't break. Five field goals is the definition of Ben don't break. But when you keep a team to 15 points in your mind, you're hoping your team gets you at least three scores. Yes, they get those three scores. I do believe that that is uh, that is that that's the reason why they did not win this football game. Uh, Dave, I am going to. So, you know, when, when, when Arizona State lines up on the football field and the time of possession really doesn't matter. It's, it's how it was run, how it was ran. Stanford, nine for 19. Stanford has the clock rolling. They have the clock moving. And when the clock is moving, you know, Arizona State's offense is sitting on the sideline doing nothing. 
And like I said before, when we went to the Super Bowl in 88, we had the number one offense in the NFL. We had the number 17th ranked defense in the NFL. When we got to the playoffs, we had the number one defense out of all the teams that were in the playoffs. So if it's 16 teams, we were number one on defense. You know why? Because we didn't give up points. We gave up a lot of yards, but we, we, we held them the field goals. And all we knew was if we keep them under 16, we got a chance to win. Our first game in the playoffs, we played the Seattle Seahawks. We beat them 21 to 10. The AFC Championship game, we played the Buffalo Bills. We beat them 21 to 13. And then we get into the Super Bowl against the 49ers. We lose 20 to 16. Remember that our point score? If we can keep them 16 or less, hopefully our offense can win a game, but our offense couldn't score enough, a touchdown to win the game. So, you know, Arizona State right now, you know, with everything going on with this football team, change of coach in the midseason, uh, you know, quarterback gets hurt, you bring in a, a, a freshman, you got a from head coach, they're still fighting. They, they are fighting. Washington a couple of weeks ago. Um, disappointing, though, to beat Washington and then struggle against Stanford. But they've got another chance. And that's Isn't football funny? We beat up. Washington. We beat Washington. We lose to Stanford. Yep. Washington beat Stanford handily. Yes. And we go to Stanford and lose by a point. Look, I, I think everybody watching that game knows that there's a pretty decent chance we should have won that game. Let's switch over. We, we know Colorado's coming up. If I'm not mistaken, Colorado's now one and six. They are one and six. They got thumped pretty good in Corvallis against Oregon State. You and I yes. both know what a difficult place that I've spoken there multiple times on that campus. And it is a – they rally around that team like a major city rallies around its its high school team. You know, they everybody turns out. It's a festive atmosphere, and they often play them at night. And that place is – it's its own little version of Death Valley when you, when you get to Corvallis. But we should still – I look today, and I know you're not going to like this, because uh -oh. I know the first two words out of your uh -oh. mouth are going to be Eastern Michigan. Yes. But we're, we're a 13-point favorite at Colorado with an over and under of around 46 and a half points. When I say that to you, what do you think? Well, first of all, what's scary is they're going to Colorado. They're going to the high altitude. When do they get out there? I don't know. And you talked to me about travel and what it takes to get there, and we'll talk about that. Um so first and foremost, the high altitude can really make a difference in the lungs, the preparation when you get there. So hopefully Arizona State gets there Thursday for a one o'clock game on Saturday. That way they can get acclimated to the, the altitude. I'm not a I'm I'm not a fan of, you know, we're talking a one and six Colorado team versus a two and five Arizona State team. And given Arizona State given Colorado, 13 points. It's 13 to nothing right now, Dave. At home. And you said last podcast, you said unless the team is horrible, and I mean horrible, they're given three points just for being at home. So if in your mindset, that's actually 16 and a half. Yes. Because you got to expect them to have a three-point advantage playing at home. And but they feel we're so much better, I guess, that we're 13 and a half. Using your philosophy, we take that to 16 and a half. We're going to beat them by 16 and a half? I don't, I don't, I don't know if we could do that. I know the Arizona State football team that played against Washington could do that if they could beat that. Colorado. But if they come out there and they, uh, you know, I won't say go through the motion, but if they, if they put put around like they did in the second half, then you're gonna have a good football game. All you got to do is give Colorado a little bit of light. You know, Paul Brown told me many, many years ago when I was playing for the Bengals and he recruited me. He says, when you got your foot on the gas pedal, you don't take it off. 
when you have your foot on your throat, you know, pretty simple, you don't take it off because you are trying to, you know, one, intimidate the team, and two, you're trying to set a present when you play, that we are here to take you down and not let you breathe and play this game. Um, they call that the fight in a team, the fight in a player. Um, it's all 11 defensive players. It's all 11 offensive players fighting like that. When you see that on the football field, you, you see that in those top-ranked teams that are in college football. But Arizona State right now, because of the turmoil and the mixture that's going on in that locker room, they're, they're still fighting for their coach. They're still fighting for their interim coach. But yet, is it the fight that everybody's coming out round after round? And it was another thing, too, that Willie Shaw said to us, that, you know, if you go back and look at Muhammad Ali and um, Joe Frazier fight, you know, the rumble in the jungle. I mean, those guys are out there trying to knock each other's head off. Right. That's how you play football. You play football the same way, no matter who's the underdog or who's the favorite. And for Arizona State to be the favorite, you got to go in there and you got to ball your fists up and you got to go toe-to-toe with Colorado and you got to knock them down as much as you can. David, i got two questions for you. Number one, for those of us who didn't play major college football and haven't gotten off a plane or gotten off a bus and played football in, in that mountain air in Colorado, physically, what does it feel like? What is the difference, the sensation? I have to tell you, I've had a number of programs, a number of shows in Colorado, and I'll find myself gasping for air a little bit. I'll be thinking, what, I can't get up those stairs? And everybody looks at me and goes, are you all so thirsty? You're going to get really thirsty and you're going to be out of breath. Did you notice that on the field? I did. We played the Denver Broncos in Denver. Um, I think it may be our second and third year in the, in the NFL. John Elway was a quarterback for the Broncos. So, you know, we had to do a whole lot of running with John Elway. Oh, boy. And let me tell you something, man. The first series when I came off the field, Dave, honestly can tell you, I thought I played four quarters of football. <laughs> My oxygen level was down. I was on the sideline with that oxygen mask. Me and that oxygen mask, I think we were making out, man, because I had that thing on my face <laughs> throughout the game because it, it almost like it takes your lungs and sucks all the air out of you and you have no air to breathe. And I had to do that for four quarters. Every right. time I came off the field, I was sucking wind. When I got in at halftime, I could have swore I played six quarters because I was done. I was flat out done. And But in halftime, in the locker room, we had oxygen in the locker room. So we were we were sucking in that wind. And even though we went out a day earlier, it doesn't matter, man. If you're not used to it, if the body's not used to it, it will suck the air out of you. And Arizona State coming from Phoenix, Coming from Tempe, yeah. it's 85, 90 degrees right now down there, going to Colorado. Well, I tell you what, I hope and pray that they're uh, they're out there early because it can suck the game right out of you. Is there anything that they can do? Is there anything that any team, Arizona State or any team can do? Can they run more wind sprints? Can they run the stairs in the stadium? Can they do anything that expands the capacity of their lungs that helps even remotely prepare for the difference in elevation? Not in one week, Dave. Not in, one not, not in a week's time because they're pre they're preparing for Colorado right now. Um, we are, you know, four or five days out before that game starts. They're preparing for Colorado right now, and that preparation is not changing. They're not going to make them run more sprints. They're not going to make them do uh, elevation things or do other things. They're getting prepared to play that game one play at a time when they get to Colorado. Sure. This, this is basically uh, something that has happened in training camp getting yourself prepared in shape for anything. 
but you really can't get in shape for Colorado's air unless you're in Colorado and you practice in it daily and Colorado football team does. Is the winning mentality coachable, David? And here's what I mean by that. You've got, you've got a two and five team that could have easily been, there's a couple more wins that could be in there. I think we both know they could have given a better effort against Eastern and yes, you know, Saturday, excuse me, was very winnable. Is there a mentality that starts to creep in? Oh no, not again. In other words, how do you teach other than winning games itself? How do you teach a team to be a winner? Well, you know, you, you, you got to keep them focused, focus on the job or the task at hand. Um, there are so many professional and college and high school teams that don't win games. You don't very see, very seldom do you see a professional team go 0 and 16 or 0 and 17, but yet they may win one or two games. You still, you still have to perform. And as a coach, you've got to get your guys to still perform and make plays. You also got to be able to talk to your players and say, listen, it's one play at a time. It's one day at a time. It's one thing at a time. And you can only control what you do on that particular play. And I'm going to get back to the, the collective group thing. Arizona State's offense looked good the first two possessions or three possessions or in the first half of that Stanford game. It sure did. And then they come out the second half a little flat, but yet not as enthusiastic as they was when the game started. Now, is that coaching? Is it players? As a player, I don't blame anything on the coach because I have a job to do. And my job is to go out there and tackle people, knock the ball out, get the ball back to our offense. But you have to have it in your mind that when you're down, when it's not going well, you still have to fight the fight. You know, Dave, I played in many games where I've had double-digit tackles, and we lost the game. But I've also played in games where I have six or seven tackles, and we, and we won the game. Right. I feel bad. I feel bad because six tackles didn't help this team win, but yet doing my job did. Not going out there trying to do something I'm not supposed to. Stay with the script, do what you're supposed to do, and you're going to be okay. Arizona State right now, they're going through something because the high against Washington and the low against Stanford. So, so when I look at that, Dave, there is a middle. There is. I'll get back to the middle for Colorado so we can feel like we felt when we beat up on uh, Washington. If you'd have asked the average person who follows the program, David, what they expected following Eastern, what they expected after the following of Coach Edwards, I don't believe they would have said, we're going to beat Washington and we're going to give Stanford at home everything they can handle. You and I are doing this podcast. We have high expectations. We have high hopes. We want to come on and sing the praises and look forward to the future games. The average fan out there might be going, eh, see, Knew they'd lose, knew they'd lose. That it was awfully close. That that field goal gets tipped by a couple of fingers. I know that people didn't see it at first, but if you go back and watch it, that ball changes. And then you know Elijah Badger, that catch at the end, remarkable catch. Uh, it's an OBJ type of catch that he makes there, and just can't keep it to winner. I think we kick a field goal right there, and then we do have a nice two-game winning streak. So there were some as as heartbreaking as it had to be for them to be in the locker room following that loss. As a coach, you got to say. We just came in, played a team tooth and nail that just went into South Bend and beat Notre Dame at, at Notre Dame. Gentlemen, we, we got to travel next week again. And again, which people say they're a lesser opponent, I, I guess, 13 and a half point favorite. I have a feeling, David, that when we come on our next podcast, they're going to take it to them. Oh, I think so too. I think they're going to take that energy of a close loss 
realize how well they played a very decent Stanford team at home. And I think they're going to put the hurt when they go to Boulder. Let me tell you something, man. I, I was talking to a, a friend of mine yesterday at the Bengals game against uh, the Atlanta Falcons. The two most important possessions in football is the first one when the game starts and the first one when the second half starts, whether you're offense or defense. If you're a defensive guy and the offense gets on the field, and I'm Arizona State, that possession for me in that first series is critical because we have to set a tone and a standard to let Colorado know that we're, we came here to beat you. If it's the offensive side of the football, what's important with that offensive team is to communicate with each other and move the ball down the field and put points on the board, preferably six more than three. But that first possession in Arizona State's victory against Colorado has to come up with making plays on both sides of the ball. And it all starts with the special team, the kickoff or the kickoff return. If the kickoff puts the ball in the end zone, they're on the 20-yard line or the 25-yard line, defense has to play. If the kickoff return is coming to us and, I, and we have a chance to run it, we've got to get that football beyond the 25-yard line so that we can play with a shorter field instead of a longer field. David, as an average fan watching that game this Saturday, anybody that's watched the game who follows the team, what can you take me back to the rarefied air there? What can we expect to see them as a team and as individuals? You said you came out after the first quarter. You thought you'd played four quarters. You're sucking down oxygen. You're sucking down oxygen at halftime. What can we expect watching that game? You know, I think the, the Arizona State football team is going to fly around the ball. I think they're going to give what they've been given. Uh, led by their, 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 I believe he's a captain, Soleil. Soleil is is all over the field on defense. He had 50, if I'm not, I don't have it right in front of me, but I believe it was 14 or 15. And that's again. week in and week out, Dave. That that player is making those plays week in and week out. And I heard the commentators uh, talk about him um, during the game. And they made a comment. They said, man, you're just killing it on defense. You know what he says? Hey, man, I'm just trying to win. I am just trying to win. And I'm like anybody you know. I'm trying to sound like anybody you know. Yeah. He said, I'm trying to bring my guys to the winner's circle. And so every time that ball is on the ground, that ball is in the air, I'm trying to get there before anybody else. And that's how you win. That's how they're going to beat Colorado. We need 11 Soleils on defense chasing the football. When you do your job on defense, that means if they run a blitz, if they run a zone, and everybody is where they're supposed to be, it's going to be hard for Colorado to be successful. But if you try to go out of your existence, you still there, Dave? Something happened, man. I'm here. Hold on. Oh, no. All right. Somehow, man, it, it flicked off and went to something else. But anyway... As we were talking, Colorado is going to challenge Arizona State. A one-in-six football team is not going back down. Arizona State's defense, those guys have to do their job collectively all day, every day to be successful. And once again, if I'm a defensive guy in Soleil, hey, guys, we got to get off the field in three so we give it to our offense so they can do their job and we can win this football game and get back to Sun Devil Country back in, team, in Tempe. Right. So if I, I'm starting to learn from you and you've made me a student of the game. So if we're blueprinting this, if we're on offense first, we go down and put up at least three, hopefully six. We come back with a nice defensive stand. We come out in the second half. 
whichever one of those we didn't have, we play well coming out of the gate again right there. I, I've heard your blueprint before, at least 20, 25 carries between the X Factor and Engada, yes. hovering, hovering somewhere around 150 yards. We win the third down conversion battle. Again, we lost it badly this past week, giving up nine out of 19 to Stanford. That cannot happen again. Get your team off, off the field. Get your defense off the field. When you do have a nice methodical drive, you're keeping their offense off. You're doing a nice job. And uh, what's nice here is we have a nice sustained drive. Obviously, it's going to tire our offense out because we're talking about that rarefied air there in Colorado. But who's it giving a nice rest to? The defense. And the other part that can happen is say the defense can't get off the field. Arizona State's offense better take that next possession like they just got off the bus. You know, and Dave, it is more than just X's and O's. It's all about, you know, who creates space, who creates opportunity. And if our defense creates opportunity to get the ball away from Colorado and give it to uh, our offense, and our offense do what they normally do. And I think I think one of the important things, too, is getting X, getting the X factor in the game. Yes. He's got to carry the football 25 times. If he doesn't carry the football 25 times, then that means we're asking our quarterback, Emory, to win the game. I don't want Emory to win the game. I want Emory to manage the game. Right. I want the X factor and what he does by getting the ball down the field. And if you saw in the Stanford game, Emory throws the big – bomb the Badger. I think it was Badger. Those yes. big 60-yard touchdown the Badger. And my question is, that's what you want to do when you're running the football really well. Because now you're sucking up the defense. You're bringing them up at the line. Right. Of, the linebackers are now in, in the backfield or at the line of scrimmage instead of 12 and 15 yards deep. The corners say, hey, you guys ain't trying to throw the ball deep on us all day. And what do we do? We throw a deep bomb. We got a touchdown. And I'm telling you, I just feel like that part of the game disappeared because we were going three and out, three and out, three and out. I mean, you look at some of the statistics, the play-by-plays, it was Emory, throw a pass, incomplete, first down. Emory, throw a pass, incomplete, third down. Well, he's got to throw the ball now, throw the ball, incomplete, and we kick the ball. And I'm like, where, where was a, a running play in there? Even right. a screen, something that would throw Stanford's defense off. You've got you've to mix things up. You've got to scare people. And right now in that Stanford game, Stanford's defense wasn't scared. They weren't scared at all. So can we take this? And I say the momentum. I don't know if there was a momentum in the Stanford game, but there was momentum in the Washington game. Can we take that information, that momentum, and the little miscues that we had in Stanford and go and dominate a football game against Colorado? You, you're giving me 13 points, or I'm giving Colorado 13 points in Colorado. Wow. In Colorado. Oh, man, that is tough to do. But yet... There's a reason why. And I'll tell you something, man. The Stanford and Arizona State game, Stanford was favored three and a half. The final score was 15-14. Right, we covered. If you betted Arizona State to take that, you won. Correct. So I'm telling you, the odds makers and the people who are doing these numbers, they must know what they're talking about. But I'm a little worried, once again, because of the high spread. But I could care less about the spread. Just go win the football game. Go do David, what you do best and, do, and take care of your business. Let me ask this. I promise I'm not looking ahead. I promise I'm not jumping ahead. But as an athlete, I want to ask you this question. Yeah, we're going to Colorado. Yeah, we're going to play Buffalo. They can see they're favored. They're, they should be awful pissed off about what just happened. It, that When they come back that following week, we are at home against UCLA. 
any chance at all. And this week during practice, as a player and as coaches, are two things going on? Are you preparing for Buffalo, preparing, excuse me, for Buffalo? Are you also doing some things because you know you play UCLA the next week? Well, you know, Dave, D-square, love you like a brother. I'm not really looking at UCLA as coach and staff or whatnot. But let me tell you what Arizona State is doing. UCLA has a game this weekend, so we're going to send scouts out to watch UCLA Got it. playing Colorado. So they're going to look at UCLA, even though they're going to get film, because each team exchanges film um, throughout the year, every game. But they're going to go look at UCLA and see what UCLA is doing so that they're prepared when they come back and the scouts have got uh, did all the, the necessaries and the recordings and taking all the information down on UCLA, they're going to be worried about Colorado. This coaching staff, this football team is worried about Colorado right now. When that game is over with and after we go in that locker room and it's a victory and we're all, all right. singing the fight song, once that fight song is over with, now we're talking about UCLA. Right. On that flight back home, they probably got some kind of technology that they could send certain plays or things that happen in the UCLA game that they playing this weekend, send it to the coaches. Guys may have iPads, boom, put it on their iPad. And now you're watching on that sure. long trip home, UCLA. So if I'm, if I'm the Sun Devils, I know it's tough because you don't want to look ahead because I think if we go back some days, week two, we got Oklahoma state in week three, we didn't play Eastern Michigan. We were probably looking down the road at Oklahoma State, and we couldn't play and take our take care take care of our game. I think this coach has got these football players this week practicing and preparing to beat Colorado, and that's the only game on the schedule. And that's that every player should be thinking that way. I agree. That's the. I just I've always wondered, and I I've had some conversations with friends when when any major team is playing an opponent, but that next week. They're playing a game that makes or breaks their season, their arch rival. For instance, you got a big game in Happy Valley this weekend. Uh, Ohio State played Iowa last week. In my head, I'm going, did Ohio State do anything during the week that also looked at Penn State? As a fan, I wonder those questions. And I've never had a chance to ask a player if that actually happens in real context. You know, David, it, it is hard to it's hard to play Colorado thinking about UCLA. Because if you're thinking about UCLA, the job at hand against Colorado doesn't exist. Got it. It doesn't exist at all. So UCLA doesn't even exist. UCLA is not even talked about. Now, I know players, you know, you look around, you know, because, you know, our rival is University of Arizona. You know, University of Arizona, which, you know, don't win, don't win a lot of football games, but they're playing pretty well now. They're, they only have one game on their schedule right. that they're really worried about. And that was against us. Right. You know, my four years there, they beat us all four years. I never beat them. But we had the better football team, but I never beat them. But University of Arizona, they lived and died to play Arizona State. Well, right. my 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 college career was to live and die and beat the UCLA's and the USC's because they didn't recruit me. But I couldn't <laughs> play UCLA until I finished playing Washington, or I couldn't play USC until I finished playing Oregon. And sure. Once I played those teams, now I'm focusing on the Bruins and the Trojans. So, so Buffalo's right now is number one priority for the Sun Devils. The primary reason I asked that question is, you know, you've been watching games, I've been watching games, and let's say that a score at halftime is nowhere near where it should be. The favorite team is lackluster. There might be a couple of points ahead, or they're tied at halftime. You'll invariably hear the announcers go, 
oh, they must be looking ahead. And I just wondered if that was a real thing. And it, it, your, it is your a explanation real, is dead on. That's a that's a real, that's a great question, Dave, because people you hear that and you go, are they looking ahead? Well, I'll, I'll give you an example. And and Buckeye Country, you know, blah blah blah. You know, Ohio State plays the first game of the year against, let's say, Akron. Akron's not a bad football team, but they're not the caliber of Ohio State. Correct. And Ohio State, oh, well, you know what? Better yet, I'll, I'll give the best example. Arizona, Ohio State versus Notre Dame. You know that game that you, you know, we, we thought was going to be a big old blowout. That, that I happen to owe you a steak dinner for I you. you. I, I, I do I remember show that one. That game, Ohio State's favored by 20, 30 points. Right. I said, there's no way they're going to beat Notre Dame by that much. Yeah. Even though I know Ohio State was a better football team, Ohio State's not looking past Notre Dame, but Ohio State didn't play their best football game against Notre Dame. Notre right. Dame played a great football game against Ohio State to keep it close. You're a 20-point favorite, and we wind up losing by 9 or 10 points. That's it. We don't have, uh, what do you call them, um, um, a win that is like, you know, a, a bad win or a bad loss. Um right. Ohio State win the game, it's a win. Luckily, you got out of that game with the win. Okay. No such thing as a moral victory for the yeah, loser. No moral victory. That's the word I'm looking for. So, Arizona State, you're going to play Colorado. You are 13 and a half, a 13 point favorite. Go into this game and beat Colorado. If you beat Colorado by seven points, you win the game because this is what the mindset is of these football players. We have got to have a mindset and the mentality of, Winning win football game. games. Win the game, win period. The game. That's right. I don't care if it's 7-6. I don't care if it's 41-6. to six. Win the game. Once you walk off the field and you won the game 7-6 to six or 14-6, to six, you can correct the, the mistakes that you made in that game. But if you lose that game, you still have to correct those mistakes. But you've lost a game that you were favored by. And those things are hard to swallow. So I don't pay attention to the 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 – the point spreads and whatnot, just give me a victory. And how do you get that victory? Stay on the field offense. Let's complete those third down percentages and make them better. Defensively, just, just, just do what you did against Stanford. You might bend, but if you don't break and kick field goals, keep it under 16 points. Go give me 21 points offense. We're going to win this game on Saturday. I think it's going to happen to you. I think it's going to happen. I believe we're going to go into Colorado. I think we're going to do everything you just said we were supposed to do. And I, I believe they're going to win. I think they'll win handily. Then they're going to come home. I believe they will give UCLA everything they possibly have and keep that game real close, if not pull one out. And I, I think we both know that will be a huge recruiting day for them. They're going to have chosen that that game okay. as the game they want their A recruits to come in. And what, what did Willie teach us? It doesn't matter what happens today because you're going to be on next year's team. You're here being recruited. I, I remember that like he said it yesterday. Okay, yeah, we might we might lose today. To you said we might just lost that game. It was close work, or maybe we win it. But this isn't. You're going to be a part of next year's team, and, and, that's, year, a, and, and that's a player. Back. And that's a player, Dave. It's it's great to go on those recruiting trips and visit the campus. You know, meet some people, meet some people, meet some guys. You know, meet meet the uh, academic advisor, and then go to the football game and sit there and watch it. What a great atmosphere! When I went to Arizona State, I I, I don't remember what game I came down to but I come down there and I saw the atmosphere I heard Willie Shaw say to me hey listen this game doesn't matter to you because next year's game will matter to you right so if you see what you see today and those players 
Some are going to be gone. Seniors are leaving. Some will transfer. Some may not come back because of academic issues. But yet, when you come, this is your team that you're going to be part of. And when I heard those words, and Willie said that to us, when I heard those words, I said, wow, I have a chance to be playing Stanford, USC, UCLA, Oregon's, Washington's. I got a, I got a chance to play that. Oh, and by the way, the, the Wildcats down there in Tucson, I got a chance to play them. And I got a chance to make a difference. Right. That's why I'm signing my letter to come to Arizona State. It's awesome, David. Thank you. Good stuff, man. Good stuff, brother. I, I love the podcast because what I try to do every single time is to get you to share insights yes. that those of us that didn't play the game at this level wouldn't necessarily know. And unless you were involved in coaching or participating in a sport like this, how would we know that? And that's why when you're able to either go back to your college days and give us an expertise or an actual experience or go on to the NFL with your Bengals career and give us an experience – I believe it takes us to a place that the average fan doesn't get to go who doesn't follow a podcast with a former All-American or All-Pro. So thanks for what you share every week. You know, and, and, and Dave, I appreciate you, man, because I think listening to you and, and the questions you asked me are, are the fans' questions. The fans don't get a chance to ask those questions. So it's, it, it's, it's a believable saying when, and I'm, go, I'm going to use a guy um, that I think is probably one of the best um, – announcers in, in all the sports. I listen to Tony Romo. I listen to Tony Romo call the game. He's awfully good. Oh my gosh, Tony Romo, when he's on that air, Tony Romo is telling you exactly what's happening on the football field. You know why? Tony Romo's a quarterback. Tony Romo reads defense. Hey, David's a quarterback on defense. I'm reading the offense. When I see a guy spread out really wide, he's not gonna run it out because the sideline is right next to him. He's gonna come across the middle. So you know what? The former wide receiver who now is playing safety, I look at that guy, I step up because something quick is happening. And when I see that quarterback take a two-step drop, he's getting ready to deliver the football. Now I'm looking outside, and guess what? That receiver's coming right at me. So it's either me hitting him or me taking the football as an interception. So I think the perspective of what you've been asking me in our podcast just lets me, let me do the things that I normally do. I can talk football because I played the game. Doesn't mean I know all about it, but I played the game enough to know a little bit about it and give the insights to those who are listening to our podcast. And we're just talking football, man. This is just two buddies stepping here talking football, just like <laughs> we're doing the golf course. We're talking football or we're talking golf swings. And when you can create something special like we got here with the uh, Believe in Arizona State, um, we're going to go a long way. And I believe the Sun Devils will handle Colorado this week. I do too. And David, something for the future before we hang up today is this. And I have a friend named Mike Fritz. Mike just moved within 10 minutes of Arizona State's campus. He's one of the yes. best professional speakers, one of my good friends. He, he does what I do for a living. And he's been going to all the ASU games. So I've told him to start to go to those games. And instead of uh, farting around the stands and eating and not watching, I've told him to watch a lot more carefully. And we're going to possibly have him on as a guest. He's a very good guy. He's an athlete and uh, he was a great speaker. So he might give us a wonderful fan's view of what those games are like. And possibly the next time he would have a chance to do that is following the UCLA game. We'll do that, man. And I know Kayla's going to be uh, back home and uh, get her insights and woman's perspective on what she sees and what she says, because the girl's pretty good at what she does and she <laughs> listens to what's going on. And, you know, she, she should be on the sideline. Because that girl knows her sports, man, and that would be cool. But once again, 
Arizona State and Colorado this week. Uh, I think it's a great opportunity for them to get their uh, get their third win uh, and get back on the the, the trail of, of making things happen. Uh, but the Stanford game is over. We can't talk about Stanford. The football team can't think about Stanford. We got to think about the Buffaloes and a great opportunity to get that third win. Agreed. All right, brother. Appreciate you, man, and we'll do it again. How Absolutely. about the Sun Devils? There we go. No issue. Yep. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.